Hi, welcome back to the podcast that passes on the skills of drawing and visual literacy to the next generation through education, encouragement, and online community. I'm your host, Dallas Noctegal, and today I have Elizabeth Michelle with me. She is a plein air painter, and she also works with children ages 10 and up to improve their drawing skills. She's my guest today, and you can find her on Instagram at Elizabeth Michelle underscore artist author. I'll put that in the show notes and go check out her hashtag planner finds as well on there. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, Elizabeth. Thanks, Dallas. So good to be here. Well, obviously we have a lot to talk about today because you and I are often peppered with questions from moms who want to teach drawing in their homeschool or um, in general, they have a kid who wants to learn how to draw and I feel like you and I, because we've kind of gone there, we've gone through it before, we've, um, and, and we also have children, so we are teaching our own kids as well. I think you're a great person to talk to for this topic, so thanks. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, I think one question I get a lot is how to get started with drawing and to be consistent. So I wanted to ask you what your thoughts on this consistency is. Well, when you asked me that question, my mind immediately went to just the fact that it is just a subject like any other subject and to treat it that way. So I don't know what everyone is doing in their um, schedules for educating their children, whether it's homeschooling or after school um, activities. But the way we usually see success when we're teaching our children is to commit to something and to continue with that on a weekly, maybe biweekly basis, carving out a time in our schedules in order to do it. I've noticed that something that has worked for me in the past has been to do a rotation schedule with any of our subjects with our um, homeschooling subjects. So we would do a certain subject on a certain day each week within that subject, especially now we're going to focus right on the subject of drawing. We have a little bit of freedom to change it up. As long as we keep it in that time slot that we've committed to, as long as we're consistent with it that way, then that's where we start from. Yeah, I think that's important that you just, yeah, put that in the schedule regularly. And do you have a preference, a time preference for the amount of time, especially if you're beginning with a, a student, a new student who's new to this? What what do you think a max amount of time would be as your first lesson? Max amount of time, if it's very young, it's going to be pretty short. And you can judge it by the way they handle it. The first session will probably be a little bit longer because they're going to be really interested in it. And they might, like the second session might be a little bit more difficult. That's what I found with my kids anyway. Even having five minutes of getting them to sit and observe could be a little bit difficult on their brains, depending on on, um, what they're observing and and their surroundings and whatnot. The, The longest, maybe 15 minutes, and then stop. And even if you could get longer, I would almost think stopping at that point might be beneficial because then they'll be fresh. 
they won't they won't feel like it was very taxing on them for the next time. Mm. That's a great point to like not overstress them out even when it's good because I think we can sort of tend to take something too long if we're enjoying it they're enjoying it everybody's gelling and then it's like oh no something went wrong and this now is has gotten too far and they might lose their they might lose their focus too from from getting something accurate to finishing something and finishing is great but probably not at this point at the very beginning stages and they just want to be they're really just you know, they're just learning. It's like learning how to ride a bike. They're just getting on, learning how to do those first few pedals. And then um, we're not going to go on a long um, trek across the United States or Canada, maybe Canada to the United States or something like that. We're not going to do that yet. I know that moms have asked me how to make drawing more a part of the home culture, not necessarily like, okay, here's drawing time. And then we move on just that it is even an option and that it is something that they think of often to do as an activity. What, what, what are some ideas that you have for moms to help it become a part of the culture of their family and of their homeschool or of their lives? Um, I think there's a big thing to be said about having things out and visual and forming habits. So if they are inclined to watching a course on a screen, then if that's something that they look forward to doing within your home, then um, yeah, encourage that from them as long as they have that consistency each week and you've kind of formed that into their schedule. One way that I form things into their schedule is um, by leaving different books out. I'll pick a book and I'll just kind of set it there and I didn't suggest it, but I did kind of, and then they pick it up and they're like, I'm going to work on this because (laughs) because <laughs> they think that they've it was their idea so um there are a few small art books that if you have ones that can read then you can go go and and get that and they can work through there are a few things but you won't necessarily get the consistency and the and the order with that unless you're sticking at that specific schedule so it is nice to have somebody who is you know directing it like like your course Dallas where you're directing what they do each day um that is that's a great thing for keeping the clutter down as well actually that's it's a good idea because left to their own devices and their own choices for art supplies they can um, they can spread things pretty wide so um having we're gonna pick you know pick out this paintbrush and this set of paints is pretty beneficial, I think. But um, a few other ideas that I have, it's kind of funny. I didn't expect, I didn't expect this, but we just moved. And when you wrote this question, I started thinking about, well, what do we do in our house? And I got just a little, I got a little bit sad because our entire, everything we did got kind of picked up and changed around. And then I noticed my kids going back to the cupboard where our art supplies used to be. And they go back there and they know where the new art supplies are. It's kind of funny. They knew they know where the new ones are, but they still go back to that cupboard expecting good things to be in that cupboard. 
I was like, oh, I think I'm going to change everything back to that cupboard because it was our, it's called our resource cupboard. And um, it's pretty short, you know, they can reach most of the shelves on it. And we, it's an old antique cupboard. And we just had a different, different things on different shelves. And we had pretty much everything that they needed in that one cupboard. So their little feet were trained to just wander over there when they were bored and look in it because kids love to look in cupboards and they'd find something and then next thing you know they're off to the races yeah it isn't it isn't that way at this point <laughs> we're all in a little bit of disarray here and I would like to get that back because that was pretty handy I actually wanted to share with you on our resource cupboards I have this little sign that I printed off from I don't know if you know Ann Voss Camp she has a wonderful resource on her website at invoscamp.com and it's a whole bunch of beautifully designed printables that you can print out and I found this one that is perfect for our resource cupboard because it says in Christ we have glorious unlimited resources so it's like a reminder every time they open that door that everything we need as in Christ, when we, so they open that door, they get what they need, and then they go away, and they're just, their feet are trained to constantly go back to that, that cupboard, so that was a second reason why I wanted to be like, mm, I think I'm going to change it back, <laughs> but you can print those things off if it's still there. I was so happy when I found I like it. That. I mean, just the whole analogy of it, and actually, to that point, I kind of wonder if Sometimes we aren't too stingy as moms because we like a clean house and we don't like the chaos and the disarray. And um, even with things like trying to just not waste too much paper, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I just wonder if we're too stingy and we just need to be a little more generous and say, here, here, kids, just take what you need and we'll clean up later. Don't worry about it. Or we'll all clean up together at four o'clock or... Um, you know, I think sometimes we just get a little bit too uh, like, this is my kingdom, don't mess it up <laughs> type of mindset. Yeah. And I, I think the kids feel that too. I don't know. And do you have that experience or are you pretty well like, let's just play with paint all the time and just make a mess? <laughs> no, we definitely hold that intention. There are the, definitely the two sides, but more so even now we have moved into a new house with newly painted walls <laughs> this morning my oh, son yeah. he he drew on the wall and he's old enough to know better but something inspired him and when I I am not ever advocating for drawing on walls like there's there are lines <laughs> he crossed the line but then I saw that <laughs> He, I think if he had done that in our old house, he would have been a lot more comfortable than he would have been in our new house. And it had, it actually kind of caused me to check myself a little bit. Like, what are we holding? What are our values? Um, so we, yeah, we need to be careful of that for sure. But I think having a room where they can feel free to mess about and, and do what they need and have a big table space is, um, it's really nice if you can. If not, and then having your kitchen table available, and then, you know, at the end of the day, when it's dinner time, they know that they can clean it up, and, and training them to clean it up is a good thing. 
because that's that goes along with being an artist is cleaning up after yourself. So there's lots of freedom within in to create, but we still have other lives going on in this house as well. But having the resources available to them, yeah, I think that's that's a good idea. That are reachable for them. That's great. Yes. And then training cleanup, which can be it could be tedious at first, especially if you have a whole gaggle of little ones and it's utter chaos after art time. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. It's worth it, I think, to train. Another thing I think would be good for a good home culture with noticing beauty is just really training yourself to be more observant and not just requiring that they be more observant, but notice things yourself. Like um, I was telling you, Elizabeth, earlier that I I noticed this little spot of light coming in and it was casting all these perfect little diamonds on my Monstera plant and it made this really cool texture. And so I just grabbed my nearest kid and was like, come look at this. This is so cool. Look. And if I move the blinds, it goes away. And he's like, whoa, that is cool. I, I could kind of tell he was like, all right, I, that's pretty cool. But like, he'll, they'll show me stuff like that all the time. They'll cast little rainbows with their prisms that they find or stuff like just notice things on nature walks and do pause for a little object lesson or something my dad did with me as a kid was we'd play something called the table game. And it was when we were waiting for our food at a restaurant, you scan the table and you look at everything and then you close your eyes and someone changes one thing about the table and then they have to guess what it is. And <laughs> that was so instructive for me. I like that. That's a good idea. That's a great way to um, help children be patient at the table for sure. <laughs> I think something like that happened to me just the other day as well. I was wearing a white sweatshirt and we had some light that came into our window and it was a beautiful rainbow it kind of shone through two windows at the same time so it caused a prism just with the windows and shone right across my sweatshirt and I called my kids just like you did <laughs> call the nearest child doesn't matter who <laughs> you're like look at me <laughs> I stood there with my, my arms wide open I was like look at me look at me <laughs> and the next thing, both of them were there because nobody wants to miss out whatever's going on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We would um, get out when they were really little um, in the car sometimes and, and drive to see the sunrise or the sunset. My husband's a real estate agent and it's really funny because we talk between ourselves and we know like one of the biggest things for both of us, we've come to realize after living in this will be our third house and an interim house for a year is that we have to have a sunrise out a window <laughs> because so many of our houses haven't. And we've been, we find ourselves like our faces, and these are the adults, our faces plastered against the window so we can catch a small sliver of a glimpse of the sunset that's happening down the road, you know? Some people don't care about that, but I sure do. And, and so does he, and I know you do too, that it's it's really nice to have access to being able to see a sky. I agree. Big open sky, that's for me. I think um, something that moms run into with some of their kids is reluctancy. 
because of what they're making on their paper is not really matching what they imagine in their head and they're frustrated. So how can you speak to encourage both the mom and the child in that situation? Um, yeah, really quickly. I think we've talked about this in another podcast. So uh, it is a thing to be, uh, to find it difficult to even start a blank canvas. Uh, one of my teachers, my friend was having trouble. She had everything set up, you know, you Think about the child who goes out at a certain age. This doesn't happen with the young ones, but at a certain age, they will have that reluctancy. And um, anyway, at, my teacher just took his paintbrush and gave her a quick dab of paint on the canvas and said, there, it started. <laughs> Start. Because <laughs> she was trying to get everything just perfect, you know. So um, it was kind of funny because I was reading, I was reading a, a little book to my five-year-old this morning. So Franklin the Turtle was actually our hometown that we live in now is where um, the author and oh, I can't remember if it's the author or the artist now. I'm gonna double check, but um, they live in Port Perry. So she has one of the books dedicated to our area. So it's kind of cool. Anyway, um, there's this one scene because Franklin has a little sister who's, I don't know, four or five. Her name's Harriet. And Franklin is a little bit older, maybe seven or eight, maybe a little bit younger. But anyway, there's this one page where they're writing uh, birthday cards for their mom. And Harriet's face, and she's just got scribbles all over her page, and she's just like smiling, she's just beaming, and he's a little bit older, and he's doing very meticulous work, and he's got a furrowed brow, and you know, like, it means so much more to him, because there's more expectations on him, so I just thought that was so funny that I found that the day I was going to be speaking to you about this. <laughs> Lowlands are so carefree, and they just think everything's wonderful. We kind of have it in us to just draw lines and have fun with those lines, and then when you put up that discipline on top of it, something happens, and um, they make it to this age, probably around eight or nine, when they can see that there's something lacking in their work and that's when it's a good spot for them to be doing um, some sort of a lesson like formal lessons so um, you might notice them start to say like so-and-so is better or I don't want to do it or my work doesn't look good or something I had one student say that over and over I don't like my work I don't like it so I just took them aside and I said you um, have this new skill of observation that you can see the difference between your level and the level of somebody that is much, much more advanced. So take heart. There is a roadmap to get to that place where it's much, much more advanced. And the fact that you can see that is a good thing. So that was something that she kind of liked to hear. They, they perk up their ears at that. Um, so that's something you could try. And just to be aware, you don't even have to have that conversation. Maybe just say, hey, would you like to do some sort of formal lessons and we'll see where that goes. Um, so uh, again, another thing to remember is also that um, art is something where it's, it's like a putting down of yourself, your emotions and your expressions onto paper in so many people's minds. That's all it is. And we really, um, we hype that a little bit. 
we hype that the artist's identity is, you know, they're pouring everything out onto their paper and it's, you know, it's a reflection of who they are on the inside. But um, I think maybe putting too much focus on self and, uh, and, and that, and even meeting the expectations, it can grow into something that is not healthy and it's um, necessary to combat that with reminding the child of their value and their real value is in Christ and how he sees them and it's not how others see them. So a uh, job of the artist, just the same as the job of any um, vocation is meant to be to glorify God. And we get that mixed up so often. And so continually reminding them, what was your heart doing at this point? Was it making an idol of yourself? Was it, you know, was, was maybe a little bit of pride getting in the way of your enjoying of observing God's beautiful creation and trying to copy God's beautiful creation? There's always room for improvement, but if it starts getting to them and their heart isn't right, then that's a good thing to counteract with just um, the truth of who they are and the Lord. That is really encouraging. And I know that you had led a worship team at your church and you were seeing that there were students who were doing that with singing as well. So it inspired you to create something. Can you tell us a little bit about the book of encouragement that you have written and illustrated? Sure. Thanks. I've realized um, that it actually covers way more than I originally thought it would cover. So when I was um, in worship team um, at that point, I was doing piano and I was making a lot of mistakes <laughs> and uh, it really got to me because it was the only instrument that was playing for some of the times. And so when it was a mistake, it would just be like all me. And sometimes I'd mess up so bad that I would just completely miss my spot and everything. So um, that could kind of, yeah, kind of grate at you after a little while. And um, when it was worship, but it, when um, worship was the thing that I was doing, it was a little even more obvious that my heart wasn't right, even though this can in the art and everything can flow into more than just worship, but, um, or just, sorry, more than just music. Um, that's what I chose to write the book about. So it's a small peacock and he has been invited to sing for God. And if you've ever heard a peacock, they do not have a, a songbird voice. They honk and it's really loud. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a bicycle horn a little bit. And so through this, they, um, he eventually realizes that when he is seen by God, that that's where his true value is experienced. So, and um, at the end, um, he does honk anyway. So he sings for God and it's not beautiful, but what is beautiful is the fact that he did it. Um, and he, he praised God, he expressed himself. Um, and then in the end, his tail fans out and because he, it, he's, he's little, so he didn't know that that could happen. It's a kid's story. <laughs> so he didn't know that could happen. His tail fans out and, um, 
that's when it kind of hits home that um, our value comes when we see God correctly and we're um, we're seen by God and that we are enjoying being in his presence. So true. We We forget that all the time. At least I do. Drawing and painting and singing and other creative endeavors, dancing, it's definitely something that we can find our identity in and we can, pride can take over really quickly. And just jealousy and envy and comparing. I'm just, I'm thankful that we have something more than that, that we have the Lord, that we have him. He's promised us himself. And so we have that to look forward to. And all these things are just secondary, but they, they reflect him in such a way that we can benefit here and now too. Yeah. I love the reflecting him. <laughs> it's yeah, it's definitely a term that I uh, kind of use in my book because at the end it says the tales reflect what they were looking at. So they, they reflect the glory of God. So good word. <laughs> Where can people find this new book because this is airing right as your book has come out and I want people to go over and see it and enjoy what you've uh, made. Tell us. Thanks so much, Dallas. They are available in bookstores. So if you're in the United States, I think you can order it from a link through Word Alive Press, either that, or if you can order it straight from my website, um, we can get those links up they the date that they are off press is October 7th so after that I will have a link that we can give to you um, because this is going to be airing a little bit after that so we'll have that link up in the show notes and you can buy it right from there if you'd like and thank you wonderful well, I know I'll be getting a copy for sure. I want my kids to see and read and um, just have that great reminder. And I want to see your art in front of me and touch it. <laughs> I've only ever seen your stuff on Instagram and I want to enjoy it more. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing all of these ideas with us. Everyone, again, I would like for you to go over and see her on Instagram. She's Elizabeth Michelle underscore artist author definitely check out her website thanks for sharing all that you did with us you're welcome dallas i always appreciate talking with you it's always so enjoyable and i love to see all the different children and all the work that they're able to do through you it's just such a blessing to see what you're doing over in your part of the world and i hope you guys continue to do amazing things thank you final thoughts, any closing ideas, anything that you just don't want to go without telling people? I was going to say for home culture, don't feel like you have to go far. I know so many moms have a sense that they are tied down, whether it's with little tiny wee ones who have three naps a day or just uh, no, no car or something like that. Don't feel like you have to go to someplace amazing to catch the things that your children need to draw. They can stay right in their backyard and the sun is going to come to you and um, you can do amazing things. And it's actually better for consistency to do that. Um, I also wanted to tell you um, 
you told me once that um, you named your, your course Bestowing the Brush because that's what you were hoping to do by giving the kids supplies. So while we were talking about supplies, I thought about this. I love the title, Bestowing the Brush, because that's what your, your heart is to give kids all the access to all these different things. Um, and it's not just supplies and resources, but it's also the know-how through your course, which is so cool. I remember when I was um, in high school, I found an, a, an art resources encyclopedia. It was tucked away like underneath a drawer behind the chalkboard. And I like, had never seen anything. I mean, I, I'm sure I could have I'm sure I could have gone to a library if I had known there was such a thing as an encyclopedia that would explain all the art tools and resources to me, but I didn't even know that there was such a thing. So the fact that you daily lay these things out is pretty cool. I grew so much just from somebody making that available to me to just open a book and say, oh my goodness, oil pastels are greasy and I have to wash my hands when I, I use them. And oh, wow. Oh, they can be blended. Oh, that's so cool. You know, I'm going to go out and find some, some oil pastels. So just something like that. And somebody just uh, making that available to me was such a blessing when I was younger. So I, um, I know that's what your heart is for your course. And I uh, think that's so cool. When you told me about that, it really hit home for me. Oh, cool. Ooh, well, I'm going to go sleuthing. <laughs> if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes too. Sure. <laughs> I appreciate your time and thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, you're welcome. So nice to be with you again. Elizabeth's book is called Honk, A Tale of Praise, and you can find that in my show notes. Go to the link. If you are listening to this on or after October 15th, it is available for you now.